to see all of you. That was a great last song. Very, very, very cool. Claire and I were at a Vineyard National Leaders Conference a few weeks ago, and I, I never heard an exact count, but I've been in a lot of large meetings, maybe 1,500, maybe 1,800 people. And, you know, it's the best of the best in the movement. So, I mean, we've got an awesome worship team, but, I mean, there are churches, yeah, who have equipment. And, yeah, anyway, it was awesome. I think this morning was just about as good. It was very cool. Well, last week we began a summer sermon series. Everybody say that three times real fast. Summer series. I can't say it. Summer sermon series called Living Life Fully. And over the next couple of months, we're going to consider what it means to live and experience the wholeness and fullness of God that God created and intended for us to experience. And I I shared at the beginning last week, and I will again now, there's a a key verse that is kind of like a life verse. I've got got a few of them. Um, John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I mentioned last week that... um, for some reason, I had never really investigated that, just sort of assumed uh, my understandings of that passage. When I did some investigation, I found that that word full can also mean, uh, it does mean abundant or beyond excessive, superfluous. New word for me, which means to overflow so much that it's running over. Kind of like the idea of a glass and you're, you know, you're running the water or the, uh, the coffee thing that you put the water in and you walk away and you come back and the coffee thing's overflowing with more water than you need in the coffee maker. Anyway, I have done that a couple times. Um, or the five-gallon jug that I was filling once here with the little spigot hose thing and came back an hour later and the, the, yes, not good. Anyway, that's what it's supposed to be like, this word. And so it could be translated with some emphasis that might be in this way. I have come that you might have life and a life so full and abundant that it overflows everywhere you go and on everyone around you. And I mentioned that really prior to last week when I've read this verse and thought about it, I've thought about how God intends that kind of life for me and to experience his fullness of life for me. But in looking at this in the fullness of what it means in its context, this growing understanding that has always been God's heart, that his intention is always to bless us to be a blessing to others. And so Clara uh, reminded me this morning as she had read through my notes that we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I have a picture of this because we just talked about it this morning. But again, kind of the mindset for me has been Um, a glass, and to be full of the Holy Spirit means to have the glass full. And that is a wonderful experience, to have fullness of the Holy Spirit. But let's speculate for a moment that what God means by to be full of the Holy Spirit is this, to where the spigot is constantly running and the abundance of his Holy Spirit in and through us is constantly running over and overflowing. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Some Old Testament psalm passage that I don't even know where it comes from. There is, God is a super abundant God, is never intending to limit himself nor his presence in our lives. And so we, 
I think we have had limited understandings. We have been limited in our thinking about the experience of God. A lot of us, me too, of it being limited to his blessing of me or his or healing for me or whatever. And God's never intended that. His all intention has always been for us to be so full of life that everywhere we go, there would be a spilling over of his excessive life. Following that intro that I gave you again, we looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, to talk about what, you know, what does it mean to experience that? How do, what is the way that we can get there, so to speak? And 2 Peter um, has three key uh, elements to it that are just, I think, really helpful and fairly clear to grasp what's needed for the process of experiencing that kind of life. Not all the little pieces in between, but sort of the the bigger elements. The first one was that Peter says that all we need to accomplish living that kind of a life is already provided and available to us through God's power. It's sitting here on the stage. You can come and get it. It, It's waiting for you in the scriptures when you open them up tomorrow morning. He's waiting for you tomorrow afternoon when you're riding in your car and people are being jerks. This power is available. It's waiting for us. It's not withheld. That is a crucial thing to understand. Now, it feels like I don't see it, right? I don't see anything up on the... I, there is a glass of water on the stage. I do see that. It is only half full. Um, but this is a spiritual encounter. So I'm, I'm with you that, that these are telling you. But he says, and I believe him, that the power is available, that it is not withheld. However, the second thing Peter says is that we have to activate it. We have to activate this power through significant, intentional, personal effort or actions of faith. Peter says, make every effort. That's a lot of effort, to make every effort. I was a pole vaulter in high school. I did not make every effort to be the best pole vaulter in the world. When, when uh, we were supposed to run cross-country in the fall, uh, I did, sort of, around some of the area that we were to run in. Shh, don't tell my coach. Make every effort is something that we can imagine because we've seen it. Sports characters, actors and actresses, um, triathlon peoples. I mean, make every. There are people we know who are. My goodness, they're making every effort to do this. But it's hard to keep that up. It's hard to maintain that, right? And so it isn't all our effort, and that's the key here. It's an activation of his power, a little bit like the space rocket, you know, or the Columbia or the one that just went up recently. You know, the fuel is sitting there in those tanks, unactivated. Now, I don't know what's power. In, I'm not a you know an engineer and I'm not you know a chemical scientist or anything like that. So I don't. Uh, Kevin's not. Oh yeah, Kevin's here. He could probably help us out. But anyway, it, sitting in that uh, ship is is this bottled up, ready and waiting power that could sit there and never lift off that craft, right? Something activates it. Something ignites it. And that which ignites it does not. Lift it off. The power does. 
all that fuel that's sitting there and goes. That's what God wants for our lives. He's not looking for us to be the fuel. We burn out way too easy. Not enough fuel there to manage the job. But we function in some way as the activator. We've got to participate. It is all about him, but it is a partnership. Salvation is that way. Living this life is that way. Sanctification is this way. Reaching out to others. All of it is God's power is available, but we must partner. Peter said, make every effort. I think there's more effort that we can make. Thirdly, the passage describes a a journey of transformation that involves a progression of development through stages of growth. We don't just all of a sudden become the Columbia. You know, we're just not all of a sudden going to land on the moon. There are stages of growth. The the, uh, space industry in the U.S. was, you know, little shots in its early days. And the, the things got bigger and went further. And there's some out there now that are still heading out there. And Star Trek's going to have to find them and bring them back to us or something. I'm not, you know, in the year 80 million 2C. I don't know. Anyway, but it's okay to be where we are. Absolutely, absolutely okay to be where you are in the journey and in the process. And we, as a church, I think grasp that in very cool ways and have welcomed and, and encouraged people. It's okay to be where you are. What's not okay, though? To stay there. Why? It's death. It's entropy. Nothing stays the same. There's either activation and there is progression or there is entropy and there is regression. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, after that, we then looked at a book by George Barna called Maximum Faith. And uh, Barna uh, is a researcher and he introduced um, some material based on his research, his study of scriptures, where he discussed and talked about 10 stages Um, of this process of transformation, uh, uh, wholeness, and Christ-likeness. I'm just going to list them here. There's also the percentages uh, from his research of how many persons in the U.S. kind of fit that category. The first was ignorance of the concept or existence of sin. There's an early stage where we just don't even have a clue. Often it's as young children, but there can be adults who just have never been exposed uh, to the idea or existence uh, concept of sin or of God. A uh, second stage he described was that of being aware of but indifferent to sin. A whole lot of people that are at that stage. And then a third stage, the, another stage, is being concerned about the implications of personal sin. I mentioned last week, and I still feel, that 39% is a, is a harvest field. People who are, are not only aware of this idea of sin, but they're concerned about it. They're trying to figure out if it's, if, if this is really important or not. And would that we could come into people's lives at any stage, but that particular group's a pretty large group of people who are concerned. They're, they're, little, they're not, you know, they've heard about heaven and hell and not really sure, and, and they could be helped by someone coming alongside them. Fourth stage was uh, moving and progressing from that to confession of sins, asking Jesus to be their savior, um, Usually the response after that, the stage after that, is a commitment to faith activities. People start going to church. Maybe they'll read their Bible. They might go to a small group or something like that. 
there's this uh, uh, tendency to do that. 24% of uh, Americans are in that stage. And um, his research shows that the bulk of Christians remain there and never progress any further, which was sad. I was talking with Kevin Young this week about this. And, and uh, the, the tragedy of, of the church um, based on these uh, numbers from his research. Um, however, there are those who, uh, out of that place of activity, become uh, discontent and begin to have questions. <coughs> I don't know what to do to cough. Anyway, um, and will enter a season, a period of spiritual discontent. And the uh, there's only really a couple ways to deal with that stage. You either get upset and forget it and regress, or you encounter God in the next stage, which is experiencing personal brokenness. And I've got a story to tell you. I've mentioned this now a couple times to people. Last week I was teaching, and around here we talk about the gift of teaching. There's a role of teaching. There's a gift of teaching. There's a ministry of teaching and an office of teaching. But the gift of teaching is something that, that is present and people in the room are, are experiencing the instruction of the Holy Spirit. And not always, but sometimes uh, a, a spirit-in-tuned uh, speaker will know when that moment's happening. And uh, last week, one of those moments was happening. I, I was over here. My brother mentioned, you know, it's really good when you move away from the, uh, the podium. <laughs> and anybody who ever was watched John Wimber teach, and I think there's probably only one other person in the room, and he's not in the room. Um, we, all, Pastor, we always said that, John, get away from the podium, because he read his notes. Similarly to me, probably a little bit more intensively, reading, and then he'd step away and talk, and we'd all go, yeah, I love that stuff. Anyway... So I was away from the, the podium last week. There was a, I was teaching, and in that moment, some part of my brain was going, wow, this is a problem in my life. There's an issue here. I'm teaching. The flow is coming out my mouth, and I'm, inter- I'm engaging with the message. I've never had that happen before <laughs> in that way. I mean, I've engaged with the message before. I wrestle with this. You know, I, I'll weep and cry and repent and all that when I'm working on my message. But it's a whole other thing to be teaching and to be, you know, being... Anyway, it was cool. So that was happening. And then on, on Tuesday morning, um, Monday and Tuesday, um, work was really hard. And um, just a lot of circumstances, a lot of issues. And I was frustrated. I was agitated. Um, and... I knew that it was me. I, I, it wasn't that anybody around me was particularly being, you know, agi- agi- aggravating or something. It, nobody was doing that to me. Circumstances were happening. Yes, yeah, software didn't work or this or that. I mean, but, but inside, I just got all this... It didn't get on the tape. And... Um, <laughs> So I, have, I had to go home for some reason. It's about 10 o'clock in the morning. I hadn't eaten yet. Um, so I said, hey, Clara, fix me a couple egg sandwiches or something like that while I'm there so I can grab those. So we sat down. We had about 15 minutes together in the middle of the morning. And I was sharing with her this stuff 
And I said, you know, it's, it's a little bit like I've, I've experienced all these stages. And I know I'm kind of here in the middle, but I'm pausing because I think many of us may be here in the middle. Um, I've experienced all these. In fact, I feel like I experience eight and nine, surrendering and submitting fully to God. For, where's ten? Oh, thank you. I hadn't talked about it yet. Yes, but I'm, but I'm referring to it, so I needed the help. Thank you. Um, the, number ten is, first, nine is this profound intimacy we love for God, profound compassion love for God. I, I've, I've experienced those. I've wept for hours for the lost. I've experienced this morning, we, we as a congregation experience a heart for the lost. And the broken, didn't we, in that song? As, as uh, Priscilla couldn't even sing. And uh, so we, we, got, we had a taste of that. But there's this area of my life that's around this thing of frustration and agitation that is unsanctified. In fact, it's unconverted. And it's not here all the time. I can, later that day, some other day, I was, I've started to experience the same agitation, work situation like that. And then a couple hours later, I noticed it's not here. I didn't do anything about it, per se. But I, I'm not sure what it is, but there's some percentage of my life that is, is unconverted, it is unsaved, that needs to be crucified. But here's what happened that morning while I was talking to Clara. I, I realized that the heart of that which I was experiencing had to do with I wasn't getting my way. Things were not going the way I wanted them to go. The, you know, the software did not obey me when I said do this. You know, the, the, the money wasn't in the account yet when I was asked, Is, are the funds there yet? And, yeah, but... Bottom line, I wanted the world and all this stuff to leave me alone and let me do my job. And when I grasped this, the tail of that thing, I entered stage seven. And I realized that this was sin. Not just that I was frustrated. Not just that I was agitated. This was sin. I wanted my way. I wanted what I wanted. And I saw that he was holy and I was not. And I got really excited because I thought, hot dog, you know where this could go? It could go to fully surrendering and submitting fully to God and having that thing crucified too. So this process, while the author describes it as stages, and the idea I had was that picture I have of the roads, you know, that winding road with sort of little stages, you know, on it. But the trouble is, is that we regress. I, I tried to come up with the word, and you all helped me last week, the word entropy. I don't know where I am in my notes, so just <laughs> stay with me, David. This is not in my notes because I just pulled it out this morning. But um, I was, when I was working on this material and thinking about how, how this works, there was a word I was trying to come up with, and it was entropy. And so I read about it just a little bit this morning, and, and two illustrations were helpful to me to, to think about what happens. Why is it that we can't stay someplace? Why is it that we, we regress? And, and this law of entropy, and I, as I think about it, is a part of the fall, 
And, and what it is is, okay, um, this, this car that's sitting here um, is sitting motionless, and you push the gas pedal, the motor revs, the transmission engages, the tires turn, and, and volume happens. It's, this vehicle is launched, and it's moving. But what happens if you take your foot off the gas? Entropy. There was energy. There was power. It was enough to really hurt somebody or do something wonderful. Pull a boat to the lake. Um, but if, if that ignition of power and the striker, the, that which ignites it, does not continue to be activated, the entropy is that that thing will slowly, slowly slow down and stop. Another picture of entropy is one, I didn't even know that's what it was, but years ago I used to talk about the idea that sitting around a campfire there's a variety of pieces of wood that are all burning together nicely. And there's, again, all the words for energy and fuel and all that's happening there. And um, it, working together, it's all great. There's, there's energy, there's power, there's fuel, there's heat. There's, it's a wonderful thing. We can roast our marshmallows, we can roast our hot dogs. I may not get to the rest of my sermon today. This may be it. I'm not sure what we're doing here. But anyway. Um, but what happens if you take one of those logs off the fire and you set it over here? Entropy. The fire goes out. I used to talk about that to my youth when I was a youth pastor and describe that that's one of the reasons why we need the body of Christ because we need the energy and fuel of one another to help partner with this progression, this idea that we want to grow. And so this idea that Peter said of make every effort has to remain in place. And it's to the degree that we get somewhere along the process, it can be hurt, it can be disappointment, it can be just empathy, not empathy, it can be apathy, um, it, it can be for a variety. We can get sick. And instead of progressing, we begin to regress. And so um, that's a part of the fall. That was not God's intention, but it is the world that we live in. It is a law that we face. We're not going to change the law of entropy until we get to heaven, I don't think. There, you know, that's why you don't need, that's why the angels, your wings and they fly, because there's no gravity to hold you in heaven, right? That's why we float, right? No? Anyway, that's what the movies tell us. Okay. So you got all that? Anybody in for the, the ride? Yeah, I, I was really personally encouraged and am uh, looking to continue to, to understand this better and, and activate it more in my life. Okay, we've got a little bit of time, so I will, I will move forward. We'll, uh, we'll progress here. Let's pray, though. Papa, I am not a teacher. I am not a nice guy. I'm not very loving. But you are a great teacher. You're way cool. And you love us. And so I just ask that um, you would come, that Randy would disappear, 
and that Jesus would stand here today, that the Holy Spirit would be present to teach us, that that you, Father, would be present to hold us, and that healing would come, that we would be experiencing progression in this journey of transformation that I think everybody in this room wants or they wouldn't be in this room. So wherever we are, I welcome you, Father, to take that which is going to be familiar and to help it become new and clearer. For that which is new, I pray that you would give understanding and clarity. And above all, that we go way beyond understanding and we go to activity, the actions of faith to grow more like you. So come have your way. Teach and love us today in Jesus' name. We've <clears throat> talked in the past about how our, our culture has trained us to think of life in a very compartmentalized way. Um, this is a Greek mindset. It's, it's what we have lived out of for centuries uh, now. And there is a tendency for us, when we look at the world, when we think about things, uh, our worldview is based on this idea of compartmentalization. Again, a Greek thought. Jewish thought was not like that. I should have thought of this, but if you simply were to put a picture of a circle up there, that's Jewish thought. <laughs> they thought of the whole. They would talk about the parts, but they didn't, they didn't fragment it like we tend to do in our culture. As an example... You know, each of us have, have a role and an involvement in family of some kind. It can be disparate, it can be less than what we would want it to be, but uh, we have a compartment of our life that we think about as family. We also, many of us, have a role and involvement in work or school, if you're younger and still in that place. It's another compartment, it's another uh, arena of our life. Uh, the third, uh, another one, there's lots of them, I just did four. Another one could be hobbies or entertainment. And um, I've got a, 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 couple, a daughter and son-in-law who were getting into triathlons and their, their daughter was involved in a triathlon and, and this was a fun expression, a way to get healthy, a way to do something as a family and, and they uh, have participated in it. But they've now got another goal and it is impacting this one. And they're having to wrestle with the compartment of triathlon to the compartment of family. So um, that happens. Then there is a, uh, a fourth one that I described, which is the involvement in our role in spiritual things, you know, God and church. And you know, sometimes these uh, areas overlap. Sometimes they push out other elements. But to a great degree, most of us, when we are at work, function in our work role. And when we're with our family, we function in our family role. When we're at church, we function in our church role. We tend to live compartmentalized, fragmented lives. That is what's called schizophrenia. <laughs> I, I looked up the word 
one. You can correct me later. Um, <laughs> parts of our lives have become conflictory and contradicting rather than cohesive and having integrity or wholeness. That is the problem with that. And it's such a problem in our society that we have people like Juan who try and help us to not be so fragmented and diverted. A biblical mindset, however, considers all of these things in a much more holistic and and cohesive way. And I want to look at um, a couple of different scriptures. I I drew some diagrams. They're going to be helpful for some of you. Some of you are going to go, I don't know what he's trying to do with that diagram. Some of you later will get it. But whatever benefit is helpful, I'm trying to orient not just words here, but some pictures. I'm a picture guy and thought this might help. So we're talking about this issue of compartmentalization. We're talking about the issue of fragmentation and the desire to be whole and complete people. That's what the series is about. So in Mark 12, 28 through 30, uh, a religious leader comes and asks Jesus, of all the commandments, and I, I always speculate that he was thinking of the ten you know, of all the Ten Commandments, which is the most important, so that I can make sure and do that one, you know, to make sure that one's done. What's the most important? And Jesus says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is taken from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's two parts to this greatest, most important commandment. The first is that God is one. The second is that we're to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it's interesting to me that Jesus highlights that the author of Deuteronomy highlighted, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, um, this idea of God being one. And so one of the challenges the Jews of Jesus' day had when he said, I and the Father are one, is they got up stones to, stones to kill him because they had a, a worldview of God as one. And Jesus to say, I and the Father are one, these two entities, does not fit their theology. But that is the key heart of this understanding of who God is. God is one. However, Christian theology from the teachings of the scriptures highlight that God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he is, but he is also one. And this, among numerous uh, understandings, we wrestle with in our rationality. How can something be one but three? You know, we've got the, uh, the egg, you know, that we sometimes throw out here. You know, the egg's made up of a shell and it's got white and the yolk. But then, where's my egg? Come on, show me my egg. But the problem with that is it breaks, you know, and it smears all over. And, you know, when you have scrambled eggs, you're only using two of the parts, not three. So it, it doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's nice, thank you, dear, but it's not as helpful. Okay, another one we sometimes use is H2O, right? H2O is both a liquid it's also a solid or an ice. It's steam. It can be in those. It's one thing, but it can be in three different forms. Maybe that's closer um, because the actual oneness of the element. Anyway, I don't know. 
Kevin can help you all later with that one too. All right. It is challenging for us who have been trained in a, a Western Greek mindset of compartmentalization to grasp oneness with, with elements. And so the, to, to manage that, there's a tendency for us to focus on the various parts and or to overemphasize them. And so we become unbalanced. Um, you know, Jesus is in the scriptures as a man. There's descriptions of what he said, what he looked like, what he did. He's, he's pretty easy to sort of uh, relate to because he's kind of like us, but of course not like us, but he's kind of like us. And so there is a tendency for Jesus to be a large part of many Christians' thoughts about God. The, the Father, the Father's a little bit harder. You know, maybe we can, you know, picture this grandfather kind of person sitting on a throne. We have the prodigal father in the story of the prodigal son. Prodigal, by the way, means extravagant. The story should be called the extravagant father. But the son was also extravagant. Different, different extravagances. No, it's true. But anyway, as a result, you know, the sun, you know, continues, kind of like the sun in our sky. It tends to sort of overshadow the other elements of the clouds and things of that nature. So the father, we can relate, but he's sort of a little bit there and not so there. And then there's the Holy Spirit. You know, and Jesus describes him as the wind at one point. You know, it comes from wherever it comes and it goes and you don't even know, you know, so... You know, the Holy Spirit is the air around us, you know, kind of thing. You know, it's carbon dioxide. You know, everybody breathe in and now there's the Holy Spirit. You know, we just got filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Anyway, the point here is, is that we wrestle with this. And maybe it's irrelevant that we wrestle with it. Maybe it's okay that Jesus is big for us and the Holy Spirit is less and the Father is less. But there's a challenge there. Where do I have that? David, where do I have the... the you know, I do that later. Never mind. We're good. Sorry. Okay. Let's switch from there. And let's uh, talk about the second half of this. Remember, we said the God is one was just part of this great, important commandment. The second part is the idea of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And again, we have this nice, neat little you know, package here. And um, I was helped. Somebody made the suggestion that I not use a circle for love God, but use a heart. So I did that. And, 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 and then we have these, these four elements. But like this other problem we have, when we're unfamiliar with something or when we're more comfortable with something, there's a tendency for there to potentially become imbalance. And so... Um, because of this compartmentalization, again, one of the things in our culture that is huge is the mind, understanding. I, I came into the Vineyard Movement, I came into the understandings about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit through my intellect. There were experience happening around us. No question, we were in an environment where there was the supernatural was occurring. 
But for me, I had to go back to the scriptures, I had to wrestle with the scriptures, and it was important for me to see and find that those experiences that were happening around me were biblically supportable. So those of you who have come into this that way, we're together on that. Right, Drew? But others of us might not enter that way. You know, mind is that, you know, the heart is the area of our passions, it's the area of our emotions, and some people would have the heart be really big there, very, very emotional, right? And, of course, that's bad to be very, very emotional. But that is who some are. And so other people are just so spiritual, right? They're just so into prayer and, and the encounters with God. There's a balance. We're supposed to have all four. Okay, I'm just showing what can happen with imbalance. And we're laughing because it's true. It's not true for you or the person sitting next to you. But Now, strength. The best, better word for that is body. Um, all of our strength. Strength's good, you know, but in, in the Jewish mindset, the, the word that was there would best be probably translated body. So this is where... The standing during worship, lifting. I was bouncing all over the floor up here this morning. I was very touched. I was listening to a song while I was coming to work. This work, I work here too. Um, I was coming to church this morning, and I was just so stirred by that song and and its words. And was and then our worship was all right. Anyway, so for me, I was I'm I was bodily in this morning, and I'm bodily in when I'm up here. I am a physical person. I pat people on the back. I kiss them on the top of their heads. I do all kinds. I shake hands. And for me, the body is a significant part of the expression of 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 loving God uh, and loving others. Um, but we don't want to be schizophrenic. We want our lives to not be conflictory and contradictory. We don't want to have exaggeration or to be stunted, but rather there to be cohesion, to be cohesive, having integrity, being whole and complete. So there's just some pictures of this challenge we face of compartmentalization and wholeness. All right, let's try another arena. This one I'm calling the purposed life. That one was called the holistic life. This now is the arena that I would call the purposed life. There's um, another area where God wants us to also be whole, not exaggerated, not stunted, not conflictory. And when we uh, think about the Christian experience and the Christian life in a purposed way, there are a lot of pictures, a lot of scriptures that could help us to uh, to diagnose and to detail our purpose as Christians. But there's two that are used a lot from the words of Jesus, uh, the first being the Great Commandment and the second being the Great Commission. And from that, there are four elements that uh, we talk a lot about around here and that I want to highlight because it's another area where we need to be balanced, but we often can be unbalanced. So in Mark 12, um, we read it earlier the front half of it, but then there's the additional part uh, about loving your neighbor. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus, Jesus is this. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, 
the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is that you love your neighbors yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. And at some level, um, these two really sort of are the, the overarching generalization of the scripture, entire scriptures. Loving God and loving others. Uh, that's what it is. So this first element um, that is described here is, of course, the element of loving God. And we have in the past described that as, call, as in the area of encountering God. I need my pictures. Um, so we have this, this whole, which is our life, our purpose as human beings, and we have this area that Jesus identifies as loving God or encountering God. This, of course, having to do with our relationship with God. We also speak about this in an abbreviated way by talking about the upward dimension of life. The second element that Jesus described in that passage was loving others. Uh, we have languaged that in the past called experiencing friendships. While it, of course, does mean in all people and loving all people, uh, we, we use this one to sort of highlight the aspect of community uh, among us. And as a result, we uh, sometimes refer to this as the inward dimension, this experiencing friendships, the inward part, not the inward of my inward, but the inward of our relationships with inside the church. The second uh, description or purpose Jesus gives, uh, as I mentioned, is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I commanded you to do. So here we have a third element of our purpose described by Jesus is going and making disciples. It's, um, again, some words we've used to languages in the past is expanding community. And this has to do with our friendships with those who don't yet have a connected and vital relationship with God. And so this is described in an abbreviated way as the outward dimension of our lives. And then the fourth one here that is described in this passage is um, teaching others to do what he has taught us to do or to be taught <laughs> what it is that he has taught us all to do. And I have languaged that in the past as embracing wholeness. It could have lots of words, but it needed to start with an E. And so that was the best I could come up with. And I also am... Um, very, very, very into uh, the understandings of the Greek word teleos um, that is echoed all over the New Testament, which is this, this God is wanting us to be teleos. In fact, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, be ye perfect as I am perfect. That word perfect is the Greek word teleos, and it should not be translated in my mind in 2011 as perfect because 99% of us look at the word perfect, be perfect like God is perfect, and just turn our backs and walk away. I'm never going to be perfect like God is perfect. But if instead of perfect, we translate that whole and complete, okay, well, I, I, that seems afar off, because I know I'm pretty broken, but that one makes more sense. And that's the word. And it's all over, and I am going to write my book, 
before I'm done about it. And you'll be the first to hear about it if you're still here. Um, or on Facebook or someplace. I don't know. That my children post it for me. Okay. So anyway, four, four elements um, that Jesus describes in these, in these passages. Um, encountering God, experiencing friendships, embracing wholeness, expanding community. These are our upward, inward, outward, forward elements. And it is God's intention for there to be wholeness and completeness in our lives about these. However, as we're describing this morning, they can become unbalanced. And they can become unbalanced in lots of ways. I just grabbed a few circles and spun them around. And so many of us really like friendships. We really like being with people. And so whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's at the community group, whether it's at school, whether it's at the market, it doesn't really matter. Friendships and people is really big for us. That's okay. It's the way many people are wired. The trouble is, is that when something is so large, there is a tendency for other things to be less expressed, less valued, less experienced. And so sometimes we can get out of balance by coming to church and it being all about people. And it is all about people, but it's also about encountering God. Also about growing up. It's also about reaching out to others who don't yet know him. So there's a picture. Then there's those people who are so unwell. Do you like that word? Anthony liked that word. He works with unwell people and he's helping them to get well maybe or something like that anyway sometimes that can be so big in our life our brokenness that our embracing wholeness is all about that i'm need help and again when something is so large it it can overshadow the others and the goal is is to have balance uh, as as much as we're able, and we need help to be able to do that. Okay. How do we get to that? Though, how do we get to this balanced place? Do we have a picture of the balanced one again, or no? I don't. I should have my. Yeah. No, that's fine. No, don't go there yet. That's right. Leave it up. It's good. We're good. How do we get to the the place of wholeness? We get there by experiencing and extending the um, expressions of God. So we've been talking for a moment about the individual element of upward, inward, outward, forward, encountering God, embracing wholeness, all that. And we've been looking at those pictures have been individuals. Now we kind of have a, a, a quick picture here of, of the community group. So now we've got a, a bunch of, you know, 8, 10, 12 people in a community group. And this community group has a life of itself. And I didn't know how to draw upward, inward, outward, forward circles that were. But anyway, you saw my efforts. Okay, so here we have this idea that each of us, in our individual pursuit of balance in these four areas, come together with others. And then as a whole community group, we're to express balance and expression of all four of these elements. But then you take these community groups and you bring them into the church setting and now we have a variety of 
community groups, with all these individuals. And here's what I couldn't draw. Imagine if eight of these people in here were all unbalanced. Because it's just, it's not true. But, you know, imagine it. And, and or, okay, hang with me here. Uh, imagine that, you know, all of those people except one really love friendship. And they come together at their community group. And it is friendly. It is fun. Everybody's laughing. They're talking. And this other person over here really wants spiritual growth. They really want forward. They want to grow up in Christ. Where in the world is the Bible? Okay, we're having fun. That's nice. Where's the Bible? Okay, so this is nice and pretty. The life is not that nice and pretty. That's just all there is to it. But anyway, that was sort of, that's what, we would hope, and my drawings lost their power. Okay, how do we get there? How do we do this as, a, as an individual? How do we do this as community groups? How do we do this as a church? What, what, how do we pursue this wholeness? How do we pursue these stages of development toward Christ-likeness? We do that by experiencing the church in the fullness of what the church is supposed to be. Within the Bible, there are a lot of pictures or expressions of the church. The church is called the people of God. They're called the flock of God. It's called the family of God. The church is called the bride of Christ. Paul speaks of the church as being a building. Um, lots of different pictures. Uh, years ago, John Wimber, one of the founders of the Vineyard Church, I referred to him earlier, taught that the church has four key expressions that when they are experienced, and then when they are extended to others, supports this growth towards wholeness in these four areas that we're wanting. And the four he described here were the church being a school, the church being a family, the church being a hospital, and the church being an army. And these elements or expressions of the church are designed to help us grow towards whole, being whole in these other pictures. And something I always thought was really cool about these four were in a school, you have students, learners. But what else do you have? Teachers. Can't have a school unless you have both. Are students always to remain and be students forever? No, they're supposed to grow up and become teachers, leaders. All right, we got a family. In a family we have... And we have adults, parents. We don't want people to remain babies with dirty diapers all the time. We don't want to have to clean everybody's butt all the time. Someday we would like you to be able to clean your own butt. And then you get to learn how to clean somebody else's. Yeah. So, all right, we got that one. All right, hospital. We have patients. And we have doctors and nurses. There's healthcare. There's administrators in many of these as well, I thought. But anyway, just to keep with our model here, do we want people to always remain patients? No, it takes too much patience to remain a patient. Um, anyway, so we want people to grow up. Become, okay, then army. 
How many military? Raise your hands in here. Okay. How many of the, the, uh, the forces around you remained new recruits during their entire uh, journey tour? Some of them did. And where are they now? Well, let's not talk about where they are now. The goal is not to remain a new recruit in basic training forever. Let's shoot them. What we, what we want is experienced vets. We're seasoned vets who can carry out the tasks of army in the church. So, again, they're just pictures. They're not anything more than ways to help us think about what can it look like for us as a church to be the church so that these stages of growth will, will come together. That there we can, When we need to be in the hospital, friends, we need to be in the hospital. I was sick six years ago. I was sick for six months with pneumonia. Didn't know why. Finally, they hospitalized me, did a simple little test and said, oh my goodness, he doesn't have immunoglobulins. That means he can't fight infection. Oh my goodness, let's get him an infusion of immunoglobulins. Now I'm well. We need, if we need the hospital, we need the hospital. Let's be a patient. It's okay. Let's just not stay there for the rest of our lives. And let's grow up to become those who also help others when they are need patients. All these areas. One more consideration. One page, and we're done. Remember earlier, we talked about that God is one. David, need, need another slide here. David, David, thank you. Okay, we've uh, talked about that God is one. God is not only one, he is teleos. I described meaning whole and complete but he's whole and complete within the Trinity. That's where that wholeness is. However, his oneness, his wholeness, is to be extended to us as his people. In John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples just after the Passover meal, just prior to going to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's later going to be uh, turned over to the soldiers and later crucified. And Jesus prays for his disciples. It's the longest prayer in the, in the, uh, the longest expression of Jesus uh, anywhere is this, this particular prayer. And it is his, the longest prayer we have of his. And as a part of it, he prays this starting at verse 20 in John 17. He says, Father, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one as you father are in me and i am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me now i have spent the last two decades wrestling with what does it mean to abide in christ what is it to mean to christ to be in me and me in him and god to be in the Son and the Son and the Father. I don't have pictures for that. I don't have it yet. I, I really am missing the dots, connecting the dots still. But there is a, a oneness that we are to experience together as a community, similar as they experience it. Here's He goes on and he says, The glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be, the glory, 
We talk about the glory of God. The glory of God that was given to Jesus, He gave us glory to God. Glory to Anthony. Glory to Stuart and Tina, Steve. Glory. Do you, do you think about that, that God has given, Jesus gave us God's glory? I don't get that one either. I can see a cloud, you know, around this thing, but I, I don't know what that all means. But he says he gave it to us, and he gave it to us so that we together would be one. So if we don't have the glory, probably aren't going to be one. Maybe some divisions and divisiveness and gossip and slander. We need the glory of God. I in them, you and me, that they may become completely one so that the outcome would be that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here again is this idea of being blessed, the glory of God. I've been to lots of conferences over the decades where we pursue the filling and baptism of the Holy Spirit, where we look to be touched by the glory of God, and so often it ends right there at with me. I'm touched. I've experienced God's glory. I've lain on the carpet for five hours. I've shaken and trembled, spoken in tongues. But what is it unto? It's okay. It's good stuff. But it is, it's not enough. It is to be in us to the degree that it is overflowing onto others. And in that context, people are going to look at the church that looks like that and go, I want in. I need in. I need wholeness. I need family. I need to grow up. Let me in. They're going to be pounding the door. They're standing room only. The Danilies have seen a vision of our church. We together, as children of God, members of the church, are to be one, are to be teleos, whole and complete. Yet we enter this world broken. But God does not want us to remain fragmented, schizophrenic, or unbalanced. People, individuals, community groups, or as a church. So over the next couple of months, we're going to be talking uh, and taking a couple of weeks to consider each of these uh, four key areas of upward encountering God, uh, experiencing friendships, which is that inward element, the expanding community of outward, and embracing wholeness forward. So that's where we're headed. We're going to spend a couple weeks on each one of these. And I hope that we don't get stuck on any one of them but that we can embrace that we need it all for us and for the world. Let's pray. So, Papa, I thank you for what uh, you're doing today in me and in us and feel a little overwhelmed. There's pictures here of what you want that are expressions of wholeness that I am not. There are descriptions of the church 
that is whole and complete and accomplishing your great and mighty deeds that we are not. And so I am personally uh, a little overwhelmed by the disparity between where I am and where I would like to be. But that's good. That's okay. Because that's stage seven. That's up there. And I welcome you to stir up that discontent in us. Not to calm it down, but to stir it up. Stir up discontent with the way my life is compared to the way you describe it to be. And then might we link hands and arms, might we cry out and welcome this body, this family, this school, this hospital, this army, to link with me to see me healed and made whole and strong and trained and growing up. And might we do that together. And as a result, might there be a glory that shines and emanates from each of our lives and from this church that is so overwhelming and flooding over that people just can't help but look at it and say, I want that. I need that. Blessed to be a blessing. Glory that Jesus would be glorified. Glory that the people would behold the truth of who Jesus really is. Let it be. Let it come to pass and help us as we wrestle and journey together as a family, as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. I've asked Clara to help me out here. Sometimes there can be this sense of uh, completeness. I just did my job. Now somebody else needs to do theirs. <laughs> Okay, so what, what I was sensing was that in wrestling within myself, sometimes I can disdain one of those expressions, you know, the hospital, the army, the family, or the school. And by disdain, I mean like, wow, they're still in the hospital. Or wow, he is so military, you know. She's all about teaching and training and nothing else. She doesn't know what family is, right? So I don't know what stories or messages go in your head but if any of those you just like I don't want to go there I don't want to do that then you're going to miss out on what wholeness opportunity there is when I went to um, visit Priscilla's university one of the days that was there they had uh, the professors come and um, pretty much do a it was a the school honor school right school of honor am I saying this right yeah, and so the professor would come and they would make a description of their class and, you know, rah, rah, you're going to want to take this class because in this class we're going to do these kinds of things. So there were like 20 of them came describing their class so these students would enroll in their course. And I kind of felt like that's what was happening this morning. Kind of like Randy was describing the curriculum, the track that this church is going to go through, and I like that one. And I'm not going to even show up for the other ones. Just let me know what the lineup is because I'm, you know, if the first one's going to be, you know, upward, then I'm going to miss the next two weeks. I've heard that, done that, been there, don't need that. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
this is a sense of this uh, God's opportunity. He's offering to us to grow up in every area and not disdain any of them. Not to disdain where you are, but not to disdain the one next to you. Okay? So I, that's, why I, that's the only call that I have uh, response. Um, so that's it. So are there other words or senses from the others? Is is that true to you? I mean, do you feel like okay, I'm I'm into one of those, but not the other one, or I could I don't really want to hear about that one. Is does that ring true to anybody here? And if it does, then God's putting the finger on you so that He can open you up and prepare you for where we're headed. Isn't that, isn't that nice of Him? I, I felt that was nice for Him to do that. So we're going to go with that, and then we're going to see what else the Father wants to do. There's some of you here that just feel like it's so far away. That's not true for many. But there are some here that just feel like that is just not even in radar range. The descriptions of wholeness and completeness and uh, being outward. And and there could be discouragement, intimidation um, for you to just sort of say there's just no way. It's a journey. It's one step in front of another. And so if, if for you it feels like it's just way out there, get some prayer today. Let's, let's just help you take, start swinging the foot. You don't even have to take a step. Let's just lift the foot so that you can get off balance <laughs> to move forward. And then there's some of you that, you know, much of these things are strong. But there's more. There's there's more. Some of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit in the past and you experienced his presence on a daily basis. It's been a long time. You too can get filled again. Can get filled to overflowing to where it just the water never stops running. It's not to be a one-time experience. It's not to be an occasional experience. It's not to be a church experience. Every minute, every day of our lives, the water, the spigot of God's power and love should be flowing into us and through us and around us. about that this morning. Yeah, the picture that we guys were talking about this morning was uh, when we think of uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit, we think of a glass that's filled to the top, Right? But when it, when we're filled that way, it's only about us. It's only about me. That's how much we got filled. You just got filled enough for you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the top of the glass. That's enough for you. But instead, that the hose is in the water, in the cup, and the faucet is completely turned on. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you realize there's enough for you, and it's just in mass quantities coming out for those around you, splashing, right? So that's part of the invitation this morning, too, is that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit, like the hose inside the cup, so that there's plenty to splash out. You're never going to go thirsty. So, that's it. Any other words, Tina? I I don't know if this is for anybody else, but it it can seem a little overwhelming when you think about, okay, this is another thing to add to my plate. (laughs) Plate balancing all these circles, (laughs) so that not one is stronger than the other. But I just want to encourage you. 
that if you seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, everything else will follow. It'll be balanced. And uh, that's a good word. You know, it's the pedal. It's the pedal thing, too. There, these we do grow. You know, we grow a little bit more in this, and then we grow a little bit more in that, and then we grow in a little bit more. So, it, it, again, it's the word isn't perfect. It's called whole. We're not looking for any of us to be perfect. We're looking for us to be complete. Um, for me, when Randy. Uh, spoke the word discontent Hmm. that struck me in my spirit um so i feel like uh some of it stuck struck some of you all out there as well uh you feel like you're in a place where um it you just don't have any peace you you you're you're doing different things and you're like well if i'm if i do more Bible study, then I'll feel better. Or if I go to community group every day, every week, uh, that'll make me feel good. Uh, but you're trying all these different things about um, living the uh, the life fully, but it's just not happening. And you just you're just like I don't know what it is, but I, there's something that it just doesn't feel right. I feel uncomfortable. I feel discontent. Um, and that can be a really hard place to be in where you feel like, God, what's going on? I just, I feel, you feel like you've regressed. Uh, But I feel the word I have this morning, I just want to encourage those who are in that place. I feel like the Father is saying, it is unto something. That place that you're in, that you just can't feel comfortable, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter who you're hanging out with, or if you're by yourself, um, I just feel like he's saying it is unto something. So hold on. Just continue and press in that place and just take it one day at a time. Ask for help when you need it, uh, but it is unto something. Absolutely. I'm sensing a a place of complacency that, that... I'm happy just sitting, doing what I want to do, and I don't want to move forward out of this this either sick place or healthy place or whatever place. I just want to sit and be complacent. Claire always says I get up here and talk and don't write it down, and I can be brief. Yesterday, while I was shopping, the Lord had already told me, you can go in and get this one thing and then get out. And I was like, I want this. And and he said to me, one of these days, it's going to be important that you do exactly what I say. Exactly at that moment, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to do this right now. And the other thing I wanted to share, maybe as an encouragement to Randy, because while he was doing, uh, while he was talking and teaching, um, I remembered my conversation. I've always been this way since I was seven. That's a long time. It's an addiction. Well, while he was talking, I wrote down a plan, hmm. a plan to before you even said what we were going to do, what we were talking about this morning, but a plan. So. Thank you, Camille. 
Kevin, do you have a word for us? I just, I think that it's, uh, we have God for us, so it really isn't a problem we all have to work out. It's just to say to him, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, or I don't even know how I could possibly move forward. He has all the resources that's necessary for us to be the people he wants us to be, so it really isn't a problem for us to work out. It's more just to decide, am I going to do something in the forward direction? So. Good. Would you pray that for us? Yeah, I'll be happy to pray. Father, I I pray for all of us. Um, We are not whole people. We're incomplete people, and uh, we only see and know in part. And Mm -hmm. um, we're grateful that you have us in your arms. You have us uh, in your hands, which are fully capable. And we're grateful that you uh, allow us to be works in progress, that you allow us to be where we're at, but also grateful that you don't want us to be there, Lord, that you... Uh, paid a terrible price uh, the life of your own son so that we could be whole that we could be the people that you want us to be and I pray Father for a world that is uh, so uh, needy for your love and so needy for your wholeness that you would make us people who are capable of sharing that mm-hmm. and God um, every obstacle to that whether it's fear, whether it's complacency whether it's just uh, sickness, whether it's uh, a sense of hopelessness those are nothing to you. Just with a word, you can you can knock them down. And so I pray, Lord, that you would have mercy on us, your people, that you would wake us up, however you want to wake us up, Lord, in your own way, that you would move us uh, to be more like Jesus, that you would give us eyes to see who he really is, that you would fill us, Lord, uh, and surprise us, and that we would be able to say, you know, we didn't do a thing. And God, in his kindness and his mercy, just poured out good things for us and made us more like him. Thank you, Lord, that your love is like that. It doesn't depend on us being good. It doesn't depend on uh, us pleasing you. We're already pleasing to you. So, Lord, have your way with us. Have mercy on us. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you. It is, it's late. Kids need to be grabbed. If, if something's stirring in you and you, uh, you're connecting with something and you would like someone to pray with you, just come on up to the front. We'll just do.